there, my friends, and welcome to another episode of the Fat Guy Forum. This is your host, Gourmet. I am glad to have you here with me today as I bring you the story of yet another amazing dude out there who is uh, kicking butt on his journey. My guest today, his name is Ryan Cronister. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Glad to have you here, man. Let's let's get things started and go to our traditional first question. Ryan, tell us what qualifies you to be on the Fat Guy Forum? Well, I've always been kind of the fat kid most of my life. Uh, I was just, I overate a lot as a kid, carried that into my adulthood. I ended up topping out as high as 401 pounds. It was the highest I ever saw on the scale. And I'm only 5'11", so I'm not, you know, freakishly tall or anything. Just and and from listening to a few of your podcast episodes, it seems like I'm a fairly typical fat guy. I have a lot of the same issues in buying clothes and fitting in seats and and everything of that nature. Uh, up until I I went into the weight loss surgery program. And I know you said when you were you were telling me, you know, you, you gave me some information about your past, like you know, you said you you did grow up that that fat kid, and then kind of fell into even kind of taking on like the fat kid roles when it came to like playing sports, like you were a lineman in football and you were a heavyweight wrestler and you also were a thrower when you were in high school. So it seemed like that was kind of like, you kind of just gravitated to that, that world. Like was that, so was your weight ever an issue for you then, or was it just more you accepted that was who you were? Well, I mean, it was always an issue. I mean, even, even amongst, the other linemen in, in high school and in college, for that matter, I was always still one of the slowest guys, one of the most out of shape guys. Yeah, you know, I was even even amongst the other linemen, I was still one of the last ones to finish in the sprints every at the end of every practice. And how so did you try like were you were you like a chronic dieter? I know sometimes some guys I talk to, you know, I've tried everything and then some guys just you know kind of never really had that happen in their life like were you someone that was used to try a lot of different things like was your family concerned about your weight i wouldn't say i tried a whole lot mainly because as much as i said as a kid you know i want to lose weight outside of playing sports i didn't really do much about it you know i i in high school typical a typical evening for me would be finish football practice get all worked up hot and sweaty and then go through a drive through i mean and my family for that matter uh I should probably say this. My mother gave me a very clear warning when I was in college. She said to me, you know, a lot of a lot of linemen, when they stop playing football, they balloon up to these these four or five hundred pound guys. And 21 year old me is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. OK, thanks. Mm. I should have listened to my mother. Right, right. Her prediction uh, came true. It did. I mean, my family was always big. Uh, I, I'm a, I, I joke that I am a third generation bariatric surgery patient. I'm the fifth one in my family to have it done, if you include my wife. Oh, wow. And how did you, like, let's, while we're, while we're still talking about before you get to that point, like, how do you describe your relationship with food uh, growing up and then even as you matured into being an adult? Like, obviously, you know, you put on a lot of weight after you ended football, like, but what, how do you, like, do you, I'll let you answer it instead of me giving all the details. Like, how do you, how would you describe your relationship with food, man? I mean, it, it's one of those things. I, I always hear a lot of people that talk about their relationship with food as it was 
you know, hiding a deeper issue, something of that nature. I never really felt like I had a whole lot of real major problems mentally, emotionally. I mean, I'm an emotional eater in the sense that I eat for any emotion, happy, sad. <laughs> it was just kind of just a bad habit that just kept developing and developing and developing. What was life like, you know, when you when you did see yourself get up to 400 pounds? Well, you know, everybody has that aha moment. And I had a bunch of them and it didn't do a thing. I mean, from from when I was in college and I had my first job interview, you know, my first real professional full-time job interview, my parents took me out to get me a suit. And we probably went to three or four different stores that, that it was over a Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, we probably went to so many stores that weekend because I didn't fit in the suits at this store, or that store, or this store. And I was maybe only barely 300 pounds at the time. And, you know, another instance where I went to a, a concert and didn't fit in my seat. So I ended up having to sit in the in the handicap section on a folding chair. Uh, side note, that was in Hershey, Pennsylvania. I would think the place where the chocolate factory is would have bigger seats. Just just a, just an observation on my yeah. Uh, that was probably in 2011 or 12. Uh, probably the first time I saw 400 pounds was another was another aha moment. That was in probably I think 2014 neighborhood. And, and I was going to say, and I, I guess to some extent it was an aha moment, but it was always I lost, I gained, I lost, I gained. You know, the same year I started the year at 400, I dropped below 300 at one point, only to spend the next year gaining it all back. And then what brought you, because you, you talked about being the fifth, you know, the fifth person or the third generation having bariatric surgery in your family. What brought you to that place? I'd probably say my wife. Uh, we met, we met, I was probably around 380. And I was 22. And I think she had asked me something about if I'd considered it because she had a few friends that had it. I mentioned that my family, a few people in my family have had it and kind of blame it on the 22 year old male ego. But I was like, ah, I don't need to worry about that. I can, I put it on myself. I can take it off myself. No problem. I could, I just couldn't leave it off. And then my bad habits, you know, for lack of a better term, fattened her up. I mean, she probably gained. 70 or 80 pounds herself just by dating and marrying me. So then we went through the process together. You know, probably this was early 2017. You know, we had we had gained and lost together probably at least twice. And you know the, the expression insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. We kind of came to the came to the realization of, you know, what's going to be different this time, what's going to be long term, not just we dropped 50 pounds in the first six months of the year to gain it back the second six months of the year. So that's, that's kind of when we, where we, when we landed on, on looking into the bariatric surgery. And I know you had, you both had the, the sleeve done. Is that correct? I had the sleeve. My wife had the uh, gastric bypass, R&Y. And so what uh, brought, like, what, what made you decide, like, put you in, into the sleeve option? Like, I'm just, because I, I think I've talked to a couple different people uh, who've had bariatric surgery and uh, several of them have, have had the sleeve. Like, I, I'm just because I know there's there are different options out there. Like, what was that? What was recommended by your doctor or was that a decision that you came to? How, how did you how did you land on that? Well, that's that's a good question, because 
you know, both of my parents had it done. And my mom had the gastric bypass. And my dad had the lap band. I didn't know what the sleeve was until I went went into the the the, the clinic, the Guthrie Clinic in, in Sayre, Pennsylvania. Um, I went into it assuming, well, I'll probably either have the bypass or the lap band because that's what that's what they had, and that's all my other relatives that have had it done have had had the bypass also. And first off, the the when my dad had the lap band, it was a fairly new procedure. He had it, I think, ten years ago, and the doctor who ran the bariatric program at the hospital, they had told us that he had only done this procedure twice. It was just not, it wasn't long-term, it wasn't seeing the same results as the other procedures. And it, it, the, the benefit to it was, the reason my dad chose it, was it was the least invasive. Um, it also resulted in the least results. But my dad's had success with it. Uh, but so I also, it, it kind of weirded me out. I didn't want to be a doctor's third time doing this procedure. And then we heard about the sleeve and the sleeve seemed to have, seemed to also, again, be a little bit less invasive than the bypass, but more invasive than a lap band. And expected results were, again, a little bit, it was kind of like it was medium. It wasn't as invasive, but didn't see as much results as the bypass, but it showed more results. And was more invasive than 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 the lap band, and so we both went into it with the assumption, with the thought process of of choosing the sleeve. It also had the least uh, less less side effects overall. And then one of the one of the pre-op procedures was an endoscopy uh, scope in your, down your throat or whatever, and. Apparently, if you've had issues in the past with acid reflux, they recommend the bypass over the sleeve. So that's what that's what landed my wife in having the bypass, as opposed to I came up pretty well in mine, so they stuck me with the sleeve. And can you uh, just before we even get into what your experience was like with that, like just as someone who's had it done, like what can you describe what the sleeve surgery is for the people that are listening? In case there's anyone out there who doesn't know. Uh, pretty much, I forgot what percentage, but they pretty much remove a, a, a large majority of your stomach. I, I, I want to say it's like 80%, but that seems an awful lot of your stomach. I'm not, a, I'm, I'm clearly not a doctor. Sure. Oh, well, uh, I mean, if you were a doctor, you'd, you know, you'd, you'd open yourself up. So like, obviously oh, yeah. you're, you know, you, you, you and your wife weren't doing this to each other. So you did have professionals involved. So that makes sense. But it is a, a removal of, of a portion of the stomach. But it's it's the gastric bypass where there's actual like the intestines are are attached in a different location. Is that correct? I believe so. I believe that the I believe that's the thing. I believe it bypasses the stomach. So you um, let's because one one of the things I know from your story is that like your wife had her surgery done before you had yours done, just because based on insurance and things along those lines, your, your waiting periods and preparations had to be different. Is that correct? Yes. We were on different medical insurances and different insurances had different requirements. I mean, she had, she had a three month, she had to be in the, in the program for three months, but in that three months had to have a separate appointment with the surgeon, the fitness specialist and the nutritionist. Uh, I had a six month waiting period, but in that six months, the only the only monthly monthly appointment I had to have was with the nutritionist. 
And so take us into that procedure, Ryan, like where, where was your weight at when you start, when you had the surgery done and, and what was that experience like, like actually going through it? Um, not at the risk of sounding cocky, but I actually had, had really good success before having the surgery in that six months. Uh, my, my first, my first weigh in, you know, my initial consultation, I was, uh, 386 pounds. That was in early March of 2017. And I had surgery on 9-11-2017. And on surgery day, I was 245. So was there at any point where you thought you had had such great success that you were considering not doing the surgery? Or was it something where you, you know that you've had success before and you saw this as a way to kind of cement that success? I de it definitely crossed my mind that maybe I won't have surgery. Uh, from what I'd heard, there were people that did just that, had really good success in the pre-op stage. And so just the, the clinic, the clinic I, I had my surgery done also has a medical, uh, medical weight loss program where it's pretty much everything you go through without having the surgery. Uh, so that crossed my mind, but it ultimately, ultimately it came down to the fact that this was not my first time losing over a hundred pounds. And I know people do regain after having weight loss surgery. I, you know, everyone in my family will tell you they've put on at least some weight after they've had surgery. But it just seemed a much better chance of not of not regaining the weight by having surgery. Because I think there are people out there that probably are thinking about, you know, their different options and, and what they can go through. Like, what was the surgery like and what was the recovery uh, period like for you? Well, it's funny. My wife and I, we, 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 again, went through it. We were seven or eight weeks apart when we went through our, our surgeries. And in the hospital, our, in the hospital, we were pretty much terribly, we were different, just vast opposites. You know, when my wife had her surgery, she was, they, you know, they make you, they make you after you've had the surgery and you're going to the recovery room when they take you into the hospital, you know, they, they do make you get up and walk laps around the hospital. And they make you use this like incentive spirometer, a breathing machine, I guess, to get all the gases and stuff out of you. And then they want you sipping water and fluid. And my wife, she got up and walked around, no problem. But she really struggled getting your fluid in. And I was kind of the opposite. I had no problems getting my fluids in. But I was, I, I was just in a lot more pain. I was in a lot, lot less willing to get up and walk around. I always kind of joke that I, in the in the hospital, I was, I was, I was a little bitch. Excuse my language. Uh, um, we were only, I think, both of us. We had our surgeries were like first thing in the morning, so we had to be at the hospital pretty early on the on the first morning. But then we only stayed one night in the hospital. And so uh, we were home probably the evening, the second day. And, and having the surgery, it's not like you make a decision where you're going to, you know, start a diet the next day and you can stick to it 50% and still kind of get through that first day. Like it kind of forces some immediate changes on you. Like what was, what was that like, you know, in the beginning? Like what was your, what did your eating have, how did your eating have to change? 
Are you talking about immediately following surgery or in the pre-op process? Um, after the surgery, or or if you want to, I mean, even if you want to take us through like how you would what you had done pre-op, but I'm just wondering like what was because I know with the different surgeries, like how much you can eat after changes and like volume and, and amounts and how you have to approach fluids. So I'm just like wanted to know like kind of like what was put in place for you, you know, that you had to do, you had to start doing once you got home. I mean, the biggest things I think with almost every you know bariatric person I've come across, it's 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 fluid and protein. I, I don't I don't exactly know where the numbers came from, but the nutritionist gave me a number. It was somewhere in the ninety to one hundred grams of protein per day range, and well, at sixty four ounces was a general the general rule of thumb for anybody for fluids. Um, the first two weeks was all I was on an all liquid all liquid diet. I uh, drank a lot of protein shakes, Greek yogurt, stuff like that. One thing I, I tried to do, and they, don't, they don't make them anymore, but there used to be a company out there that was called New Way. There were these little like three or four ounce shots of protein. They were like 40 grams of protein. Yeah, I used to kind of just sip on those a little bit. when I, I started sipping on those when I was in the hospital just to make sure I kind of got them in. And then, I mean, a lot of the basics, the ones you, you know, stuff you buy in any grocery store, muscle milk, Premier, protein shakes. Uh, and then after two weeks, two weeks, we switched to a pureed stage. And that it was, you know, pretty much all of any meat had to be sent through a food processor, scrambled eggs. That's probably much, pretty much all I ate those two weeks was meat through a food processor, scrambled eggs, and maybe some chili. Then at, at four weeks out is when you got cleared for solid foods. Sounds great, but it's also it was also very very daunting, very scary. Hey, what was scary about that? Like, what, what take us into that? Well, you know, we also went through um, we had support groups every month at the weight loss center. It opened to pretty much anybody. We went. You, you had to go once before surgery, but we we go afterwards. Still, still now we're we're going regularly. Um, and we see people in there talking about people that have just had surgery, struggling with eating this, eating that, taking it enough. You know, I I remember, you know, thinking it was so weird seeing, for example, my mother eating such a sm like such a small amount and not being able to finish it. And feeling just so over the top, feeling just overly full, like you're going to get sick off of, you know, two bites of something. And when you go from, when you used to be myself, we also had to be on a liquid diet two weeks before surgery. So after two, four weeks of liquids and two more weeks of only purees, solid food became a little scary. Especially because you're looking at like you still have the same protein requirements, like you're you know the same kind of nutrition requirements, right? So you're the yeah, the solid much. food. It it's not like let's let's open the cabinet and eat everything you know that was there before. Like you're, you're you need to make sure you're getting your specific nutrition in. Right. I mean, I, at first I kind of had the thought of you know if I just chew it really thoroughly and eat really slow, it's going to be okay, which is true to an extent, but you, you know. Pretty much any point, probably in the first year out, it got to the point that anytime I had the thought of, 
This looks too little. I can have a little more. I was wrong. You know, sometimes it, it, it worked out that just, you know, one, one bite too many puts you over the edge. And, you know, not to, not to ask kind of too much information, but what happened, like what physically happens if you, if you went too far, like, was it nausea or was it an actual react, like an actual reaction of your body? Well, I, I will say this, a lot of people throw up a lot. I, I personally didn't. Um, my mother also mentioned the same thing. She, she doesn't remember throwing up all that much either. It's just kind of, it's just really just the overly full, you know, just just kind of a food coma. Sick, just you feel like a lot of times I feel like I'm gonna throw up, but I just don't. I mean, it it's hard to explain. Besides, just it's it's an overly full, sickly feeling. I think that makes sense. I think that explains it, man. Like that, I I don't want to you. Know, I don't want to hammer down into you and be like, now tell us exactly the moment, you know, when the, you take that bite, what happens? Like we can, we'll, we'll move on from your nausea. Um, I mean, there have been times where I, I literally took, took, you know, I have one bite left of a food and just thought, you know, screw it, ate, ate it and felt like that one last bite was a mistake or have spit that one bite out into a napkin or something. And so what was... What was like, you know, what was what was things like for you after, you know, you kind of get into the rhythm of what life after the surgery is going to be like? Like, did you lose more weight? Did, did it kind of help you stay where you're at? Like, what was what was that like for you? I mean, my weight's kind of fluctuated, you know, two and a half years out. My weight's probably fluctuated, maybe still 20, 30 pounds. Uh, a lot of it, I feel like a lot of it is is for lack of a better term, muscle. I mean, my last my last. My last scan at the uh, weight loss center, I was somewhere in the 240 neighborhood with 21% body fat, which for perspective's sake, I'm not, not really not going to, I mean, it was actually, it was a little more fat than I was last time and a little bit heavier, but uh, perspective's sake, I'm not really crying about it. <laughs> sure. Well, and that's because like, let's talk, let, to talk about muscle, like along the way, you know, as you were, you've gone, been on this journey, like you've found you know, a new, a, a new physical side of things that you're, you're, you're passionate about and that you've gotten involved with, like you have started running and you not only started running, like you were, you were getting into some pretty intense running before the surgery even. I mean, I started running off and on when I had my, you know, my gains and losses over the years. You know, I think the most I, most I ever ran before getting into the weight loss program it was maybe five miles. I know I remember reading in your in one of your, one of the stories about you that you when you were heavier, you know, over three hundred pounds, you signed you were signing up for a five K at your work and the person taking the registration was was concerned about about you running a five K. And I know that five K ended up not happening, but um you, but well, that was funny because I I'd actually just run a 5K, like I just ran my first 5K maybe two weeks before this happened. So I I, I kind of thought it was funny. I, you know, I, I I ran a 5K, probably like 330 pounds. I run the 5K. I don't run very fast. I don't remember my I don't remember my time, but it was something over 45 minutes or so. Uh, I did run the whole thing, but 
I, I was passed by people that were walking and running the whole thing. <laughs> um, anyway, so I, I, I ran the 5K and then maybe a couple weeks later, this memo came across the office looking for people to sign up for this. It was, it was a corporate challenge. The firm put a team in. And so I emailed the, the office manager, said, you know, sign me up for the 5K. And then she she kicked it, she kicked me an email back and said, uh, do you know how far that is? Are you sure you're up for a 5K? So I called her up and I said, yes, as a matter of fact, I just ran this 5K. I thought it was funnier more than anything else. And, but then you're – so you, you started running more though. Like even I know you – before your surgery, you ran your first half marathon. Yes. Um, let's, let me think. Yeah, I ran – before surgery, I started running probably probably after maybe two months or so. I started off slow. I started literally just walking a half hour on the treadmill. And then over time, it built up, add a little incline, add a little you know jog run, intervals. Then I started actually running again, you know, full, full go. Um, my main concern a couple of years before I was running and and – I think I just went too hard, too fast, started hurting my knees a little bit. And then, you know, give a fat guy any reason to stop working out, they'll find one. Oh, I can't run today. My knee hurts. Oh, I can't run today. My knee hurts. So I stopped running. Um, but so, yeah, I've, I've worked up to – I ran another 5K that summer, earlier, earlier in the summer in like June neighborhood. And then I, it was actually, it was the weekend before my wife's surgery in, in, in mid to late July of 17, I did run my first half. And so what takes you from being, you know, 400 pounds to now distance running? Like what, what is the, the mindset like that, that brings you to that place? Was it something you found that you enjoyed? Like what was, what was the driving force there? Um, well, I, I, I mean, I know the idea got in my head because, you know, my brother, he was a big guy too. Never quite got up. I think he, I think he topped out at like 290 or so. Um, a few years back, he lost a lot of weight and he ran the Chicago Marathon. And then I had a, another, another friend, him and his now wife. He was another big guy. We were, we were linemen together on the football team in college. And he got up over 300 pounds after he stopped playing football and, then him and his him and his girlfriend lost some weight and 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 trained and ran a half marathon, and so I kind of thought, you know, why not me? And, and just kind of, you know, always trying to, always going, trying to improve. You know, I'm always trying to, you know, oh, I I ran a five k, maybe I'll try a five mile, and then I try, I went out one day and just, you know, maybe I'm, I'm going to try running ten miles today, and. I ran the half marathon. I was like, "Can I do a marathon? I don't know." So I gave it a shot. And so, when was that first marathon? Take us through what that was like. Well, I, 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 I don't want to say I ran it in secret, but I definitely didn't tell a lot of people I was running it because I could have. I didn't have that much confidence in myself. I, what if I didn't make it? Um, it was. In September of 2018 was my first marathon, and it was it was really small. I mean, it was – I think there were 24 finishers for the full marathon race. They all, they had a half and a 5K also. 
it was uh, it was actually it was two days before my my one year anniversary of my surgery. It was on the ninth. My surgery was the eleventh, and uh, <clears throat> I didn't really have I didn't have a formal training program. I didn't really I, I pretty much spent that summer. I spent that summer going to the gym, lifting weights, running probably four miles a day after the gym, and then went out for longer runs on the weekend. You know, didn't didn't have any method to the madness. Just kind of went out and did it. Uh, it's I feel a little silly in hindsight. I didn't even think about asking anybody at the weight loss center or anything like that for any kind of tips on on, on anything. Uh, in, until until the weekend before Friday before I get the idea. Maybe I should contact my nutritionist see if there's anything I should be doing this weekend. You know, is it you know I hear you know, you, you hear about things online like carb loading and. And people that people that run marathons on 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 keto, and and you know, I, so I, I sent a message out to my nutritionist, and she she was kind of open about the fact that she really didn't have a whole lot of experience in this realm. She she works with bariatric patients. She works with people that are you know just trying to get basically obese people healthy, not really trying to get people running marathons. Uh, the only real suggestion she had for me was maybe taking a little more carbs in, before the before the race, and and she told me about the uh, like the running gels people use when they run marathons. I've never I never heard of them before. I never even thought about them. And so I I actually tried those out the day of the race, which I learned after the fact is something you never ever do. You never try anything new on race day. Um, but so I, I it was also it was it was a local marathon. It was maybe 15 minutes from my house and it was it was a tough marathon it was it was pretty much it was a half marathon course run twice you do it twice it was pretty much six miles up six miles down six miles up six miles down or six and a half up six and a half down so it was pretty much straight uphill then straight downhill <laughs> someone actually said to me after the after the race you know this was your first marathon and you chose this one I said, well, I, I live here. <laughs> um, I, I did finish. I finished. My, my, my goal was to finish before they took down the, the setup, which they said they were, they said they were doing that at the six hour mark. And I finished at five hours and 51 minutes. Got there right in time. So it was still standing when you got there. It was. There you go. And what did that feel like to finish it? I felt like it was it was a hell of an accomplishment. I mean, it. Well, my legs were shot. My legs were incredibly sore. Uh, you know, it was it was. Uh, again, physically, it was very demanding. It, it hurt quite a bit, but it was just such a a great feeling to finish that. To and also to think it was so close to the to one year to the day almost when I had had bariatric surgery. Right. And so you, you, you finish this race and, you know, you're feeling mentally great about it and physically a bit beat up, but you, you've, you decided you were going to do another one and, and, and approach it a little bit differently. Well, you know, my, my intention, it was funny. Cause when I, when I finished the race, my first, I mean, obviously I was feeling good. I had that runner's high feel, but I was also very beat up. You know, my legs were someone at one point, told my mother, my mother came up to, to, to visit and, and, and watch me finish. Uh, somebody had told her that at one point I started limping. 
I don't remember limping. It was just 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 I must have been beaten up so bad. It must have just looked like I was I was I was hurting good. Um, so someone asked me if I was going to run another one, and I said, you know, I don't know. I, I I'm not sure. You know, it takes it takes up a lot of time. I had that thought a little bit when I was doing some of those long runs before 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 the race. You know, I don't always just have a, a five hour block where I can just start running. And then, um, and then the clinic where I had my surgery, they reached out to me and asked to sponsor me in their marathons. <laughs> so I said, "Yeah, sure. I guess I'll, I'll give it another shot." And then they actually set me up with a legitimate trainer and and gave me the tools to succeed. And then videotaped it all for their website. And so that was fall of, of 2019. That, that, was that October that, that you, you did that marathon? Yes. Yeah, I think it was the first Sunday in October. And, and how it did was, that one go? That went great. Um. Well, first off, you know, they, they, I met up with, with a trainer, Alicia, uh, who would have run multiple marathons, is, 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 a, is a legitimate exercise physiologist. She works at the clinic in a, at a health works place, kind of like, like a medical YMCA. They do fitness classes. They also do just a gym and they have cardiac rehab stuff, physical therapy. So she had, she had, Obviously, the expertise, not to mention the experience of having having run, specifically even run this marathon multiple times. And so she put together a training plan for me. Uh, specifically, it was it was a it was a twenty week plan, kind of a longer plan than normal because I was a beginner. And I kind of told her about my, told her what I just kind of explained to you about my first my first marathon. And sometimes it was just seeing her react. To, for example, trying new things on race day and you know, not taking any rest days. A lot of this stuff just hadn't hadn't crossed my mind, and I, you know, I didn't didn't know what I didn't know. And so she she put me together put together a nice plan for me, and we checked in. I mean, probably started off weekly, then it started becoming almost almost daily. You know, how you feeling? You know, how's this doing? How's that going? Ended up training, started training in that May for the race in October. And how was your time this time? Like, how did you, did you beat your first time? Like, how did that go? Oh, yeah. Um, I actually, I beat it by well over an hour. Uh, finished the second one in four hours and 29 minutes. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I didn't really, when I was training the first time, I really didn't track my times or anything like that. I just went out and ran. So I really had no idea on race day what I was going to wind up doing. Um, started tracking a little bit more for the for this last marathon. It was the Wine Glass Marathon in, in Corning, uh, New York, and so I kind of had a little more of a gauge. You know, when I ran my first, the first time I ran twenty miles before the eighteen marathon, I didn't really know anything about how fast I was going, how long it took me to run it. I just know it took me a while. You know, this last time, based on my 20-mile run before wine glass, I kind of had a little more of a, a gauge. I knew – I, I kind of figured I was probably going to finish between four and four and a half hours. 
At one point, I almost I, I kind of came out came out running too quickly though, at the wine glass marathon. It's also a very flat marathon, so a lot of people have the tendency to start very quickly and then kind of hit that wall. Because I ran the first half in less than two hours, and at one point I, I almost believed I was going to run a marathon in less than four hours, and then my body told me, "No, no, you're not." But I was much better prepared this time. Definitely more prepared. That, that's that's wild, man. And like, just to think about like where you were, you know, what your life was like, and that you know, kind of what it's become. Like, that's it's quite the journey you've been on. Like, what looking at it like as a whole, like the, you know, not just the changes you made you know, before you had the surgery, you know, and getting into running and now marathons. Like, what do you think are are the big lessons for you on this journey you've been on that are going to help you be successful as you go forward? This is going to seem – this might sound a little contradictory to most people I've, I've heard on, on your podcasts and, and, and other, other people's stories. I, I've, one of the lessons I've kind of learned is just kind of, for lack of a better term, blindly following someone that has experience and expertise in, in, in the field. I mean – I feel like that was a big reason why I was so successful in the in the pre-surgery process and, and running the marathons and everything is you know I didn't I didn't really question anybody's methods you know you can read you can go on the internet and you can read stories about why you know this diet is the best diet that diet's the best diet this is the best way to lose weight that's the best way to lose weight this is the best way to run a marathon this is the best way to run a marathon and it, it it can really mess with your mind. And I think I was just happy that between between the folks at at the weight loss center and and my friend Alicia, the, the trainer, you know, they kind of said, This is what we want you to do. So I just kind of turned my brain off and did it. Well, I think that makes sense, man. And and I think also like look at the tools that you've used, like Excuse me. Um, weight loss, weight loss surgery, especially, it's not, it's not really a finesse tool, like tool in terms of like you can take a piece of one diet and a piece of another diet, you know, and kind of find the path for yourself. Like there's there's pieces to that that like you need to you need to know exactly what to do to be successful. Like you need to know exactly what to follow to find that that success that you want to get you know that long-term success and i think in the same way like a marathon is also very much a science like it's not just i'm going to get up one day and run 26 miles like you know you you saw yourself from your experience the way the different preparation gave you different results approaching it so i think it makes sense you know to have that perspective and then it's it's a good realization to also know as a person those are those are the pathways that you thrive in, you know, and that's where you drive, you know, drive your success from. Oh, definitely. I mean, they. they I, I kind of feel like I had a whole team. Of, uh, uh, I jokingly sometimes refer to them as a coaching staff because I have, you know, when I was started the wine glass training, also I had asked my my new trainer Alicia, you know, about anything I should be doing differently nutritionally, and she said, "Well, I'm not a nutritionist." Maybe you should talk to to your nutritionist. So I went to Mackenzie, my nutritionist, and she said, "Well, I really don't have much experience in 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 marathon nutrition, 
So she referred me to somebody else in the weight loss center. There's a woman named Jess. And I'm really lucky to have Jess because she is a she's an exercise physiologist in the in the weight loss center. So she has experience with with bariatric folks. And she has a background in sports nutrition. So she was able to kind of put together more of a marathon nutrition plan. Which it sounds like you were able to then find those those resources that you needed. And that's a good thing, man. Like I I what I'm curious about, like in terms of like wanting to take what you've been through and kind of share, you know, a way to help people that are listening. Like, so what if there is someone out there listening to the show who is thinking about bariatric surgery? Like, what do you think are the big factors they need to consider when they make that decision? Well, I, I always kind of looked at surgery as as kind of the last resort. Kind of the idea that most people that get into the program, it's it's tried everything else and nothing else has worked. That also being said, I feel like if you ask a lot of people that had bariatric surgery older than I did, I had surgery at 29, uh, a lot of people might will, will tell you their biggest regret is not having it sooner. I mean, I, the biggest thing I, I always I recommend to people, at least locally, is – you know the the clinic I go to they they do a support group every month um totally free no requirement to be in the program to 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 show up and and go and they just people talk about experiences that whether they're going through the, the pre op process or have had surgery what's good what's bad and there's also a person who who one of the coordinators of the program one of the nurses in the program is also a bariatric patient so she can even speak not only to the medical side of it as far as nursing stuff, but also on the patient side of it. And I, I feel like those support groups just really, really, really can, can really help paint a good picture for you ahead of, you know, if you're considering it, I would consider looking into those. And I think most, most hospitals that, that have the weight loss programs probably have something similar. That's usually what I, I recommend of people wanting to go in is just I would say go to a support group. You know, you don't have to sign up to have surgery to go to a support group. I think that's a great idea. It sounds like it's a great way to kind of not just hear, you know, from the experts, but also kind of hear the experiences of, of other people going through it. So you can kind of get a real sense of what, <clears throat> excuse me, what the experience is like. Definitely. So, Ryan. You've you've been on this almost a marathon of a journey, you know, of your life. Uh, what comes next for you? Like, what are your next goals? Well, I, I had two races scheduled for the spring. We we are we are not having those. Uh, one of the races I was scheduled to run was later this month in in late April. It was a seven person relay running 77.7 miles around Seneca Lake in upstate in upstate New York um different legs i think i think my my legs totaled totaled something like 10 10 and change miles three different three different like three different 3 mile and change runs uh we're doing that as a team virtually uh, so I just finished actually my third run, my third leg yesterday, and sent sent the, sent the, sent the captain my times and. Well, that sounds like, that's a good adaptation to make. It sounds like that's a great idea. Yeah, it was good. it was kind of cool. Uh, 
And then uh, I had the Pittsburgh Marathon scheduled for early May, which has also been canceled. But I am also already signed up for uh, next year's Wine Glass Marathon in October. And then I, we'll see where I go from there. I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd like to run... I kind of had the thought process that I'd run two marathons this year, maybe see if I can push a third one out next year. And, but, you know, obviously I need to wait until, until the world opens back up. Right, right. There's, there's a lot of factors out there right now that none of us have any control over, but it's good to see that you still have, you know, kind of your eye on, on what you want to do when, when those doors do open back up. And I, I like hearing about the adaptations you're making right now. And and I've also too. I'm also kind of lucky enough in the sense that um, my exercise routine. I was already kind of doing the home gym thing back in the fall. Yeah, I mentioned I mentioned the woman Jess uh, who had the sports nutrition background. She's also uh, was a personal trainer for a while and has has a strength strength and conditioning uh, weightlifting background also. So she she kind of turned me on to um, the street parking which is a kind of at home for the most part, minimal equipment needed online. She called it a CrossFit community. It, it's kind of it's somewhat of a CrossFit thing where, I mean, all you really need is a pair of dumbbells at the minimum and some space. And you can do these workouts in sometimes as low as 10 minutes, sometimes closer to 20 minutes, half hour. So I was already kind of doing that to keep in keep in good shape already. I, I kind of joke that I'll I'll blindly do pretty much whatever Jess tells me. You know, she's an expert in the field. She, you know, I, I again kind of like kind of the idea pick pick that pick that pick your resource and just find and follow it. You know, I, if I ever hear anything I, I've gone to her before and said, you know, what's your take on this, and she'll tell me that's good or that's crap. Well, that's good that you, even you, during this time, you're able to still kind of you know, rely on that resource and, and, and draw some guidance. That's a good thing to hear, man. Definitely. I mean, we can, we still communicate. You know, I still communicate with Alicia quite a bit, text messaging and emailing Jess. So I'm, I've, the world shutting down hasn't stopped my exercise routines. That's good to hear, man. That's really good to hear. So, Ryan, if, if people do want to keep up with you and, and find out, you know what what is to come to you once you you know you get into once you get those races going again or even to keep up on your preparation for the wine glass this fall uh, how can they find you man uh well i'm uh, pretty much only on instagram um at ryan underscore runs underscore marathon i kind of just started that as a as a as just a a workout journal for lack of a better term um the Guthrie Clinic, when their marketing people were, were videotaping me, they asked me to videotape myself and send them videos of me working out. I thought setting up an Instagram site would be a good way to send them videos. It turns out it wasn't. Uh, Instagram doesn't doesn't provide a good enough quality for their videos. So I kind of did that in a – you know, I had I had the videos on my phone since I was recording myself to send, send them anyway. So I – I've I've learned also during my training that I was reverting back to my Instagram page when I, you know, what did I do that day? Rather than look at my at my you know fitness tracker or anything like that, I went to my Instagram page. <laughs> so kind of just kind of kept working on it and just kept you know kept 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 that up as that way and ended up making 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 a few friends. 
and finding finding more people that are uh, finding more people that that are are running half marathons and marathons having after having bariatric surgery. Well, that's awesome, man. It's always good to build those connections, and I will make sure to put in the show notes to the, you know for this episode, you know, a link to your profile so people can can find you if they want to make that connection with you as well. No, thank you. Yeah, I'm, I was gonna say one thing. I, if anybody has any questions too, feel free to, to message me. I, I you know, I, I respond to all my messages. You know, I like commuting. I, I like meeting people on a one-on-one kind of you know basis. There we go, man. I'm sure you're going to find some people that are going to reach out to you after this, especially if they're curious about getting into running and, and finding some direction, you know, to get into a program like that themselves. I think that'll be great. So, Ryan, I, I've really appreciated your time today telling your story and sharing your experience with with us. Is, is there anything left that you didn't get to talk about today that you wanted to share with the audience at the Fat Guy Forum? Not really. So the only thing I think I mentioned very briefly in, in, in mentioning a lot of stuff is that, you know, it seems to be everyone's, everyone in the bariatric patient surgery world, their, their results are different. One person can tolerate something that the other one can't. You can tolerate something on, on Monday that you might not sit well on Tuesday. So just kind of be prepared for that. And, and a, lot of the, a lot of the questions about when can I have this and when can I have that. Once you've gone past the month or two post-op, is pretty much just a trial and error. <laughs> you know, try it. If it feels good, good. If not, well, don't don't try it for a while. I wish it were more scientific than that, but it's really not. Well, there you go, man. Uh, I think that's a good perspective for people to have and to realize, you know, that they can, you know, you have to take the time and figure that out. So that's good stuff. So, Ryan, I end every episode with with a a series of questions I call the Fat Guy Five. Are you ready for your run through them? Uh, Sure. Have you updated the new ones yet? I knew you were talking about that. I'm almost there. I'm almost there. But we are you were going to be one of the final people to get the vintage questions. Awesome. Uh, I'm I'm keeping one or two of the originals um, in the new batch. I'm just I'm just fine tuning the, 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 the final questions. But so let's go through the 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 original for you, man, one more time. Question number one, living or dead man, who is your favorite fat guy? Well, I, I am a, a very big Chicago sports fan. Uh, so I will have to go with William the Refrigerator Perry. There we go. See, that's one I have never, I don't think I've ever gotten that answer. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I got on I, the, I love that, man. I, I came across your podcast because you, uh, I was already following um, that guy, Frank. Frank is losing weight. Yep, I was already following him on Instagram, and he's a he's a big Cubs fan, Bears fan. We've chatted about the Cubs and the Bears and stuff, and so I kind of I kind of busted his chops a little bit when when I, I don't know why I was expecting him to say the fridge. I think he said Ralphie May, who's also very hilarious. I've heard him a few times. I mean, I also I mean, obviously, all the everyone that I hear people naming Chris Farley, John Candy, you know, they're all great. Yeah, but you, I, I, I like that you struck out some new territory. And, yeah, you know, love the fridge. Thinking about, thinking, thinking about people thinking about the fridge, man. I like it. Question number two, Ryan, thinking about those those bigger days for you, what was your quintessential fat guy meal? Well, I, I, I really, I don't know, I'd say it was probably probably two. One of which would probably be, you know, a, a large pizza. With pepperoni, sometimes bacon, 
um, probably a dozen wings, usually another fried appetizer in there somewhere, you know, mozzarella sticks, onion rings, fries, something of that nature. Um, usually some kind of breadstick. Um, occasionally a dessert. You know, I, I used to always like Domino's as uh, chocolate lava cakes. And then a two-liter of Coke. And then, and then if it wasn't, if it wasn't pizza, it was usually a, a drive-through, you know, I'd go to McDonald's, I'd get a, a double quarter pounder meal large. In addition to that, I'd probably another, probably two double cheeseburgers, another McChicken, two additional orders of large fries, maybe something sweet, you know, an apple pie, some cookies. But yeah, usually, usually at least three burgers and three large fries from McDonald's. There we go, man. Those days have definitely changed for you now. Uh, definitely. <laughs> just a little bit, just a little bit. So question number three today, Ryan. Speaking to someone out there who's looking to get their weight loss journey started, what is your number one piece of advice? Number one piece of advice? I'd say take your ego out of it. Uh, especially, especially for a man, a guy, you know, it's, you know, when I go to the support groups, it's 85% women, you know, a lot of, a lot of men are adverse to asking for help from professionals. It's a sign of weakness to, to have the surgery to some people. Yeah. Just take your ego out of it. I mean, you don't know what, you know, I mean, if things were easy, everyone would do it. And it's, you know, I, I, sometimes I want to go back and, and slap 22-year-old Ryan across the face for thinking that he could do it himself. I like it, man. I like it. Uh, question number four, what podcast, YouTube channel, book, resource, influencer, leader do you recommend to people who are looking for motivation? Well, admittedly, based on based on kind of what I said before about about not reading as much and listening to as much online, really, I, I, I listen to to your podcast, and I, I there's one other podcast I've listened to, but it's it's not exactly it's not for, it's not for people that are looking to lose weight. It's it's more people that are already in shape trying to become even healthier. Sure. Um, I, I honestly, I, I would probably think the most motivation if people just you know go on Instagram and find people that that you know post about their weight loss stuff. You know, real people showing real pictures, and you know, I, as one thing, I, I kind of kick myself. I wish I had more more before pictures. Well, you, you can't you can't beat getting those that in, that motivation right from the source, you know, from people that are actually kind of in that in that battle. Like that's a that's a great way uh, to find that energy that you need. So that, I think that's a great idea. Cool. So question number five, man, we, we're on to your final question of the day. What is one goal you have for the next year that is not health, fitness or weight loss related? Well, that uh, would probably be something professionally. Uh, I'm an accountant. I, you know, I work for a CPA firm, but I've never passed CPA exam. I think that's probably the thing I'd like to do the most. 
And you know, throughout my 20s, it was pretty much my, my two main goals were lose weight and pass CPA exam. And I had pretty much no real long-term success with either because I, I, you have to pass all four parts within 18 months of each other. So I, I, passed, I passed one part, it expired. I passed it again, it expired. I gained weight, I lost weight, I gained weight, I lost weight. So hopefully now that maybe I have this, uh, this weight loss monkey off my back, maybe I can get the CPA exam monkey off my back. There you go, man. And that also sounds like another challenge that would require you, you know, finding some experts to follow. Like you can't navigate your own way through that. Like it sounds like it'd be good for you to, you know, track down that the proper procedure for you. So I, I like it. I think it, I th there's some good symmetry there. That That looks good, man. Well, Ryan, I just want to say thank you again so much for taking time to talk to us and share your story with the listeners of the Fat Guy Forum today. Uh, we just really appreciate you, you know, bringing it forward. And I just wish you success with everything that you have going. And if you're, even if you got to keep doing some, you know, some virtual runs, man, I look forward to, to seeing your success. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Definitely, man. Definitely. And, and everyone out there listening, the link to Ryan's profile will be in the show notes today. You can also find my profile there on Instagram. I'm Gourmet underscore goes underscore keto on Twitter. I'm Gourmet goes keto. And you can email the show at the fat guy forum at gmail.com. My friends go out there today or stay inside wherever you are, you know, in quarantine world right now, do something to amaze yourself because you are the most amazing people that I know. And then come on back and catch us again on the Fat Guy Forum.